cliffcentral.com. All right, it is time for us to get stuck into the burning platform. This is your chance to um, get up to date with all the stuff that's happening in the news. And Pumi and I will try to be uh, useful interlocutors who try to bring you different points of view. We also invite people to the show who we think have different points of view. We've certainly had a few of those in the last few weeks, and we will continue to find all the people with all the different opinions from all the corners of South Africa. One of those people and someone who is a fairly regular uh, return champion here is Pumlani Majosi, who we have with us this morning. Hey, Pumlani, how are you? Good morning, sir. Good morning. I'm well. Thank you. Hello, Pumi, as well. It's great to see you guys. Great to be back. It's good to see you, and I'm glad to see you have some light. Uh, I saw a very funny... I'm so glad you dressed up for us. I know. Look at him. Yeah, you know, you guys guys are special. So I had to, you know, pick up my best, one of my best suits for this... uh, I, I, I want to talk. I want to talk a little bit about uh, you before we get into the burning platform because you've been dealing with a lot more heat than usual in the last few weeks on uh, Twitter. But uh, maybe you have some things to say about that. I just want to quickly refer to propaganda here. He says, "I'm in a very dark place in my life at the moment, South Africa," which is, uh, I think, true for a lot of us. Pumi actually brought up the happiness index and how we're all miserable and grumpy in South Africa at the moment. Um, you actually brought that up last week, and uh, that was a study by what UJ Pums. Mm. Yeah. Yes, it was. It was, and and it found that South Africans are actually very grumpy right now, mm-hmm. which so, happens when you can't boil water to make coffee, of course, or you have to get dressed in the dark, of course. So, Pumlani, you you have been receiving more than your usual amount, and you are one of those people who doesn't mind a little bit of uh, to and fro on Twitter. But I noticed, and, and someone actually brought it to my attention, that you have been, uh, you've been swatting a lot of flies on Twitter. Is it more than usual, or am I imagining it? Well, uh, it's more than usual. It, it keeps growing. So um, it is what it is. What can we do? Uh, we, have to, we have to push. Um, but the way you guys you guys started about the the matter of uh, happiness and uh, uh, how people feel in South Africa, I must say that I have also you know been engaging people as well, and people are fr- are frustrated mm. by what is going on in the country. And the moment you talk about the impact, the blackouts, the power outages, the mm. failures of ESCOM have on people's lives. That's when you can um, you can see that that frustration because it really it changes their day. Uh, it changes how they work. Um, if you are going to have stage six, um, you are definitely going to have um, a population that is uh, unhappy. Um, so I think it's one of those times when we are seeing the the, the failure of um, of government policy or government's um you know um failure on its mandates mm-hmm. when it comes to the current situation with ESCOM and we are seeing that frustration you know it's funny you say it, this is how south africans adapt you just mentioned oh stage six is terrible we can handle stage four but stage six is terrible you know it's amazing how quickly we adapt and we start to think oh well, we're lucky because we only got stage four at the moment and and that's human nature but it's also very south african i mentioned this to pumi earlier we've discussed it over and over but escom have now said we must just expect stage four indefinitely they're not even going to draw 
a curtain on this. They see it as being a permanent situation, stage four, from here on in. And, yeah, just one thing to add on that, um, um, Gareth, uh, it's that uh, when you listen to the president over the past, I would say, uh, a week or two or so, um, in fact, it was this week, if I'm not mistaken, where he said he would like us to be patient um, <laughs> with him and his administration when it comes to the issue, yes. and that we must basically accept that <laughs> you know we have to live with this uh, with this uh, with this load shedding for for a while. So he tells you of uh, that this is becoming normalized, and we are not sure. No one knows when exactly. Could this thing be resolved? And it gets worse, by the way, because this thing is exacerbated or worsened by what I call the green politics, right? The obsession over the green energy, the mm -hmm. renewable energies in which the, the, the developing countries are pressured and also some of its leaders are accepting to be pressured by developed nations mm -hmm. to adapt to this fast pace of you know, um, green sort of energy. And I'm not sure we are ready for that, uh, Gareth. Well, yeah, Pumi and I kind of hinted at some of this already in the first hour of this morning's show, but I didn't want to preempt anything. Let's talk about some of the things that are on Pumi's agenda this morning. It's not often that she gets to actually uh, decide what we're going to talk about, because usually we have a guest, so we end up talking about what that guest talks about. But luckily for us, Pumlani is someone who reads the newspapers, <laughs> pays attention to the news, knows what's going on, listens to the politicians, even though it, dry, it, 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 it dries him out. Like all of us, it hollows us out when we have to listen to these people. So let's just talk quickly about uh, Musi Maimane, because I didn't pay any attention. I will admit, I feel like I've heard it all before coming from Musi, but I heard from one or two people um, who, I, who I regard as fairly sensible sources that he had some quite interesting things to say. What did he say? Look, I think... Um, Pumlani, did you watch any of it? Did you have power to watch any of it? <laughs> a bit of it, eh? and read more about it. So, yeah. Okay. Well, then you two are still, you two are still in a better position than I am to, to adjudicate this. So go on, let's be fair. Let's be objective. Hmm. What Do we want to give Musi a chance here to, to uh, explain his position and what he wants to do? What did you take from it, Pums? Everybody should be given a chance to explain their position. But unfortunately, I mean, I felt that his position was a little bit lacking, actually, in, in substantive stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, so we know he is, we know that he doesn't believe that the ANC is where the end is. And he's kind of also talking what he's, they're calling it a, um, a franchise model, you know, because he started, remember, Musimaimane started one one movement and mm -hmm. it was about giving independence an opportunity to to run and he had a training session training sessions around the country for independence to run for the the municipal elections and kind of and and now he's then saying we're going to go into the next general election and Musi is the chairperson of his party but it is also a party for independence so everybody can you know like a broad church as the ANC says that mm. all the independents can come together and band together he has been able to attract uh, some people who the current uh, newly elected deputy mayor in mm -hmm. Nelson Mandela Bay is one of his people your favorite friend Mutsuli uh, who was oh. on the show uh, she is the national spokesperson okay. and but it's still a little bit thin you know it's the thing that i always come on the show and talk about to say 
I can hear all of these opposition people and I understand that they are in opposition to the ANC, but they don't spend enough time telling us about their policies. They don't spend enough time telling us about what they do actually stand for besides just being anti-ANC. And it was more of the same, unfortunately, with Musi. But, you know, the proof will be in the pudding. What do you think, Fumlani, about what you saw? Well, um, for me, it's a... um is broader than um, at least I will start by saying that there is, I'm just wondering if in South Africa, uh, we are seeing a lot of new parties. Uh, we have a lot of parties right now, you know, um, there are a lot uh, in the country and we are still seeing more of this. And I'm not sure what impacts um, uh, most will have given the nature of our politics at this point and how many parties we've heard over the past years. So I, I, my view is that I wish he could have found somewhere to join and build something that's already been started than to start something new, right? Um, because we've seen parties um, copy, I mean, uh, sorry, COPE uh, was founded uh, years back as well. It struggled. We've seen, but, um, but, but sorry, Paul um, Nani, I don't mean to, I don't mean to interrupt you, but he did come yeah. from another party, which he's very profoundly turned his back on. And has nothing, <laughs> he has nothing nice to say about the the DA. They they also have nothing nice to say about him. That they parted very disagreeably. Um, so he's tried that. Um, Maybe he doesn't, maybe he thinks that the solution, and, and Pumi, we've had this discussion too, the solution yeah. doesn't lie in the old parties. So so why would you say that? Sorry, Pumilani, mm. I just wanted to... He's, there are 621 parties, by the way, 621 registered parties in South Africa. So so now it's, it's going to be 620, what, 622 now, on top of that. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, my, my point is that there is, um, I'm not sure, I just think we like to start our own parties. And my view is that I've asked us why couldn't you join him and Mashaba's party, Action, XA, Action SA, and work I on think the when you... that they might have. I'm sure um, the one is immigration, because um, um, Mashaba tends to take a tough stance on illegal immigration, and uh, most of my money seems to be soft them, uh, and taking a bit of the EFF kind of, you know, thinking around immigration um, when it comes to um, our how we should treat fellow fellow Africans or in, in the country. Okay. So I mean, um, the the his vision is fine. I'm not. I've never seen most my money someone who would be bad for South Africa. You know, I don't think I wouldn't rank him as the guys of the EFF. Mm. Um, I wouldn't do that. I also wouldn't put him in that kind of um, thinking of the ANC as well. So I, his vision is, is not that bad, in my view. Uh, the question is how it would play out. Uh, would it have? Is he going to have enough momentum to draw the support um, to build his own thing that he has already built? And if it doesn't work out in 2024, what is he going to do? You know. So those. I are don't the, think it's a. I don't think it's a bad thing starting your own party. You mentioned the EFF there, a new party. You mentioned Herman Mashaba. He is a new party. I think with, with the vision, and which I don't believe Musi has a strong vision. That is really my thing about why he would find it hard to have traction, is he really does not have a strong vision or he is unable to articulate his strong vision to get galvanize people around him. Or around that vision, I, I wonder, unlike what him and Mashaba and the EFF were able to do. I wonder about something, and maybe you could both help me with this. There are a bunch of people in our parliament 
people like Bantu Holomisa, you could say Mosua Lekota, you could say <laughs> Willy Madisha, um, you could say uh, Kenneth Meshwe. It seems to me that there are a few people who get away with doing just enough to get a, a nice big salary and to get the, you know, the words MP after their name. And we, 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 inspect, we inspect these people every year like they're going to bring some novel idea to the table. We inspect these people as if they're going to be the kingmaker or they can make a change or they can draw more votes out of the audience. They don't ever seem to be able to do that. The, the track record for these parties is that they decline over time. All of them have. Uh, and Bantu Holomisa, I mean, how many times, and I've interviewed Bantu Holomisa maybe four or five times, how many more times must we speak to him to hear that he is an empty vessel? How many more times must we speak to Mosua Lekota before we figure out that he's also just banging the same old drum? How many times must we speak to even Musi Maimane before we realize that there's not a whole lot going on there? They're just looking for, they've seen already, they've found an easy way to be a part of the, the, the national discourse, so they, they feel that their ego is being served. They also get a salary. They also sometimes, if they're lucky enough, get one or two of their friends in there as well who also sit in parliament or who also sit on committees and get a salary. But it's just enough to run like a, like a subsistence farming enterprise. It's like a subsistence politics business. <laughs> it's like a family office. It's, um, it's just enough. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just sick of these people who are they're on the train. And then when you know, it comes to criticizing the ANC, they have a lot to say. But as Pumi often says, they don't have a whole lot more than that. There's nothing else going on. We have to also stop paying attention to these sideshows because they are sideshows. To, to equate Bantu Holomisa with the largest opposition party is a joke. To equate Mosiwa Lekota with the EFF is a joke. The EFF and the DA are substantial parties. Even though the EFF is smaller by a, by a degree, by an order of magnitude, they may be half the size, maybe even smaller than the DA, the fact is that they are a real party. They can get into double-digit figures. No way in hell is Bantu Holomisa or Mosiwa Lekota ever going to get into those numbers. Or Musi Maimane, for that matter. Perhaps even you could say Herman Mashaba. So why are we giving them so much airtime and creating this false equivalence like these are also voices of the opposition, but we prefer them because they're not the DA or the AFF? Who are we kidding? You, you know, my, yeah, my, my sort of uh, view, Garrett, is that, uh, well, I, I wish we could somehow uh, have them, the, the opposition parties, especially the smaller ones, combining, right, to form, um, to form an opposition, uh, you know, uh, some sort of a party. One I party. hate to interrupt you. I hate to interrupt you, but why won't they? Yeah. Because of ego. Ego. That's where I was going to go. Uh, it's so not you, good you, enough for me to be. Exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> Bantu and Mosiwa and uh, and the Freyates Front leader, whoever that is, because you never know. Uh, I think it's one of the Mulders. Um, they, they they all have to be the leader. So they can't just fall exactly. in. Exactly. Everyone wants to be a leader, Garrett. They can't Everyone fall in and be, be and be useful in a bigger machine. They have to be their own man, which is kind of ridiculous because who cares? And that is harming us because if we don't have that stronger kind of if, – if, if, the, if the opposition parties cannot build something together and combine, that weakens their case against the NC, right? It leaves – people very much divided, and they divided as well. There's no stronger fight against the governing party, which is the ANC. But then they're just a coalition. Because everybody wants to lead. 
But then they're just a coalition of the disgruntled. I think what we then need to actually be talking about is the fact that what we don't have is we don't have, we don't have true politicians because the other thing about politics is about corralling people's interests into one place where they can vote together, vote as a bloc in order to be able to move. There is absolutely, and you know, there's a reason why Parliament sits in that horseshoe shape, right? Because the extreme left and the extreme right are really actually close to each other. But what we don't have is we don't have individuals, even a, a Mishwe, you know, even a, a Kenneth Mishwe or a Bantu uh, Holomisa, mm. their politicking ability is really not at a place where they are able to curl all of the individual interests of all of these various smaller parties to a place where they can find common ground and use that as the platform. So we don't have that kind of politics and we don't have that kind of political leadership. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that's a good point. Okay. So uh, let's move on from now. But it will be interesting. But it will be interesting to see what Musimai Mane can do because what he does have is he does have the, the experience. He does have the experience of kind of mobilizing people on the ground. So it will be interesting to see what it is that he can do well, going into 2024. I mean, isn't it true that all of these people have some ability that we could harness? Like all of them have some traction with a crowd. All of them have some constituency. But, they, but on their own... It's hardly effective. And, and, you know, these grand coalitions where you have, you need 23 parties to cobble together a majority in a tiny little town, it's, it's really a waste of time. And we know that they're not going to be able to hold in the long run. So it would be more sensible for us as voters to not be swayed by this nonsense. You have, let's just be clear about this. You've basically got three options. And really, at this stage, this is the only sensible way I can see it working, unless some incredible, charismatic, brilliant party comes together with all the people that we like and none of the ones that we don't. And I don't see that as a reality. So you've got three options. You can vote for the ANC and hope that they change and that they'll be better, but then I think you're chasing fool's gold. Uh, you can vote for the DA or you can vote for the EFF. That's all you got. Right now, that's the, let's be realistic. That's what you got. Do you agree or do you disagree? <laughs> well, I think, you see, my view is that uh, given where Action SA comes from, I think how they did last year, they have potential. So I think people should consider them as well. But you are exactly right. So you have those three major, major parties, of which the I'm strongly, as you know, I'm strongly against the ideas of the EFF. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the NC as well. Um, so, but uh, people, I'm, you know, I think they have, a, they should give, give the DA a chance. That's just my view. Um, and also the, the work that, that has been done by him and Mashaba as well, last day, in last day's local elections. He has potential. So if they can add that one in this top, in, the, in this top three as well, I think that would, that would be better for South Africa. Um, you're gonna, other, you're gonna, these, you're, you're gonna have to hold. Stop yeah, but they must stop starting parties. But, I, stop starting but, parties. but I don't mind. <laughs> I don't mind if, if we've got, we need a healthy environment for new parties to start. And there are lots of people with brilliant ideas who just haven't found a home in any of the existing parties. I get that. But I think when it comes to trying to get a government working, we need to hold our noses for some things. I know, for example, 
like Pumi, you have your misgivings about Herman Mashaba. And if you were to vote for, for Herman Mashaba, you would have to hold your nose about certain things. If you were to vote for uh, the EFF, you'd hold, have to hold your nose for a lot more things. If you had to hold your nose for the DA, you'd also have to probably have three nostrils blocked. But I, I understand that all of us would like to have some party that would tick all the boxes. It's like having a relationship with somebody. You want them to be perfect. They must look great. They must make you feel great. They must be as clever or as, or as dumb as you are. They must be as, um, as into the things that you are as you are. It's just impossible. Like you, eventually, you have to settle for less in a relationship. And I think the same is true here. But don't settle for so much less that you end up with worse than what we've currently got. That's all I'm saying. Well, it's about yeah, who is least, least who worst. Is the, um, <laughs> so the current conversation that is happening, that is being driven almost in, in every sphere that you look, is the issue of coalition governments. Mm. You know, my and, and I've said this before on the show, is my issue with parties like the DA or even the EFF, is that they have taken a posture of being the opposition. They have not taken the posture of being the government, of what that, it is. And this is when you talk on. about holding your nostril. Hold, hold on, right? Pums, that, that isn't entirely true. I mean, the, the DA is the government in the Western Cape. And we have seen what the result of them being in government can deliver. So I don't know whether it's the leader nationally, whether it's John Stiernhuisen's fault, where, where it may well be that he's not this great leader that we expect from a party in opposition, but he, he is not, to me, his personality and character is not the most important part of this. They have proven they can govern no. at a provincial and a city level. Yes? I think on a national level, the DA takes a posture that they, they and we've, we, we've heard it, you know, we've heard it from Helen Zilla before, we've heard it from many quarters within the DA, that they believe that they have to, they are a strong opposition and they are probably a 20 percenter of a party that can hold the ANC, the ANC in, uh, to some kind of standard and get them to work in a way that they want them to work. And I think what is it on in sunday's paper actually we there was an article two weeks ago a group of representatives from all of these parties the anc the eff the da the vf udm all of them they went to belgium mm -hmm. on some kind of uh mission mission uh to find out how the coalition parties or the coalition government in belgium is working and that for me is where the, the issues lie, right? Is you cannot take all of the parties that are in government and say, how are we all going to work together in some kind of coalition? You ha if you had two or three parties coming together to say, we have, we, we have commonalities in these three places, and how could we be the three parties that become a coalition that can hold the ANC to account? or be a coalition that can lead this country. This is what falls apart in right. the Johannesburg City Council. This is what falls apart at Nelson Mandela Municipality but, but, because the guys are trying to say everybody can come together at the same time and create some kind of coalition together. But I mean, you, no, aren't if you've you, got two or three parties, then you're able to. Aren't you, aren't you nitpicking and setting a much higher standard for the DA than you do for any other party by saying this? Because you don't, we, all we want from the ANC is just any sign, any 
distant heartbeat of competence, and there is none. And, and it, we're, we're happy to accept that's the standard in the ANC. With the EFF, we wait for Julius to say something sensible, and he often does, and we think, oh, there, that's what we were waiting for. But with the DA, we expect a level of competence and a level of assiduousness, which we don't seem to apply to other parties. All I'm saying is I don't see a, 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 a fair standard being applied to all the parties at the same time. And it's fine for us to criticize the ANC or to criticize the EFF, but when we criticize the DA and we say, oh, well, it's their attitude that they, oh, they still think of themselves as an opposition party and all of this stuff, those aren't the major stumbling blocks we have with Herman Mashaba or with Bantu Holomisa or with Musiwa or with Julius. We seem to impose a different set of standards on the DA, which is, I'm a bit confused by that. Is their standard not how well do you govern? In which case, we have an example in the Western Cape. Clearly, it works. That seems to me to be persuasive. No? No. It, okay, from Lander, you go. No, I wanted to speak about, uh, to add on what uh, Gareth is saying. Uh, there has been a question of, is there, some people have argued that there is no, there is no alternative, which I have disagreed with. There are alternatives to the ANC in South Africa, and one of them is the DA. And when I say that, get, I get accused of being the DA supporter or member, of which really I'm not. I'm just saying to South Africans, there is an, an alternative. Mm. There is a party that does have experience in governing, and in governing a province, in addition to um, you know, the some metropolitan, uh, you know, um, places in the country. So there is the, the there is every, there is an, an alternative that can, I believe, can work for South Africa. And one thing to add as well, when it comes to coalitions, coalitions won't work, you know, for parties that govern, govern in a coalition, they don't have, they don't have to be too ideologically different. That's why we've seen we've been seeing this collapse, you know, the the, the collapsing of these uh, of these uh, coalitions because you you find in in some instances that we have people who are so ideologically different. So rather have people whom like really kind of at least there are minimal sort of things that you on basic principles that you you agree upon, then you can try and govern on something. But if you are too opposed, like if the DA and the EFF, the far left Leninist sort of Marxist EFF and the DA that is more kind of pro-market, pro-business, pro-individual liberty, you are not going to achieve much, really. It's going to be little that you achieve. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it is holding anybody to a different standard. The same standards that I apply to the DA is the same standards that I keep saying, even with him and Mashaba's party, is you've got to convince me that what you stand for and what you will be able to deliver. And and all I'm saying is I hear that the DA is able to do it in the Western Cape for some parts of the Western Cape. Why are they failing to translate that message to the rest of the country? In the same way that I keep saying to you, the EFF has plateaued because their messaging is also Mm. unable to translate to the rest of the country. They may resonate with a small urban youth, but the reason why they are unable to grow anywhere else in the countries because we are largely a rural country right and their message does not translate into those areas that's why no, we're they not, have I don't think we as a party i don't think we're a rural country anymore i think that the only parts of the country that really matter anymore 
are the are the urban areas. There are far more people living in the urban areas. There are far more people uh, no. who, are, who are desperate. KZN for, is still the most populous country in most, most populous province in the country. Yes, but KZN is not the most important manufacturing engine, or the or the place of most jobs, or the place of most uh, opportunity for people. But that's not how we vote. But that's not how we vote. No, 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 I we get vote that. by where but, you are. But, you know, then KZN, as the most populous province, should try and stand on its own two feet instead of using Joburg money. And I know I'm being pro-Joburg on this, but like you, Pumi, I live in and work in Joburg. So the fact is that we can't – again, you even said it now um, – the, the, the DA, you hear the DA delivers to certain parts of the Western Cape. Well, the ANC doesn't deliver to any parts of the rest of South Africa. So, again, we may be creating a double standard here. Because if you're delivering to certain parts of the place that you're in charge of, and by and large, I see the Western Cape growing and becoming more successful, making itself energy independent. Uh, certainly, the infrastructure seems to be maintained. Uh, they seem to be building more things. If you take that road from the airport to town, you see all the houses that have been built, and you see the solar panels, and you see the, 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 the infrastructure that's been put in on soil that's only this deep because it's actually not arable land. I mean, it's the worst part that the apartheid government decided to give to black and colored people to live in. We know what happened in the past, but they've made it a whole lot more habitable than it's ever been before. And, of course, you can also see Gugule to Kailicha. These places have enormous, enormous challenges. But certainly more progress has been made in Kailicha and Guguletu than has been made in Tembisa. And that's, that, is a, that is a reflection on the ANC and their incompetence, not on the DA's lack of being perfect in the Western Cape. Guys, the ANC's incompetence is... Without doubt, I think we all agree that there is a level of incompetence that is astounding mm. when it comes to the ANC, yeah. right? That we agree on. And the frustrations that people have, we agree on. Mm. And what I am saying to you, and this is not an apology for the ANC, it is a, it is a throwing down the gauntlet for the DA. When you have got as the DA seems to have, a product that you can sell. Why are they unable to move their product? Why are they unable to move their product? The question for me will remain, and this is also why Herman Mashaba, Herman Mashaba who came out of the DA, right, is all of these little things are the things that erode the brand mm. that is the DA and what the DA can achieve and what the DA can show the people of South Africa and can lead. And these little things are the things that, and again, I will say to you, we don't vote by what, what this province is giving what money to the fiscal budget. We vote by where you are and what you hear the parties promise you and then deliver for you. I don't disagree with you at all, and I don't want to labor this point too much because I think it'll get boring. And, you know, Pumi, you and I, I think we agree on so much stuff that people find the burning platform sometimes to be predictable. But I think here, again, you even say little things, but I don't disagree that they have communication issues. And maybe they need to hire some consultants, and God knows they've, they've tried over the last years, to get people to help them to communicate their successes and to propose things to voters that will get more voters excited. 
But I don't know if there's anything more important than competence and delivery. And if competence and delivery are the only things that you should be measured by, then they are streets ahead of everyone else. And that's undeniable. I just, I just don't think that, you know, it's fair for us to expect them to be perfect, but for everyone else to just do one thing right. And that's the way it seems to me to be at the moment. And even when we look at, like, the Musis and the Hermans, and listen, I think I'm warmer to Herman Mashaba than, than you are, Pumi. And in some ways, I find him... <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> uh, yeah, and in some ways, I find... You know? I find some of his policies and ideas to be completely distasteful. I thought that the way that he made coalitions with the EFF and did backdoor deals with them, I thought that was reprehensible. And I find myself in a position now where I think I'm unable to vote for Herman Mashaba again. And I think that a lot of people probably feel that way. Many people feel that way about the DA. You know, they look at the way that so many people who've left the DA were left because they were treated badly. There are still allegations that the party hasn't really transformed. Uh, there are all kinds of things that you could throw at them, but all of those things put together, to me, would, would be a, a, a less of a blight than the things that we're dealing with in some of the much bigger parties, like the ANC. Well, it's the only bigger party, you know. Yeah, it is. Just, um, you see, we tend to speak a lot about um, the DA's, you know, let's stick to, to the DA for a second, about the Another DA's uh, failure about to the communicate, to relate, <laughs> to relate to people, to, I don't know, to do what, to to be able to convince people to vote for it. We, we always we are always critical of how it fails to, 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 you know, to present something that can attract people. Um, but we, we hardly speak about also the, the voter. I have been very much critical of the voter in South Africa. Um, I think our voters have been very much uh, ignorant given where the state of the country is and the fact that, um, you know, we can continue voting for the same people even though we see the challenges of crime, the challenges of shocking mm -hmm. unemployment rates, mm -hmm. uh, the blackouts and so on, yet we continue to put, you know, um, the same people into power and say that there is no alternative. So I think I also, it's very much important not to always blame. People tend to always say, well, it's the political parties, they're not selling something to people. No, the voter is also in a democracy. The voter needs to be informed. The voter needs to be, to see that something is wrong. And therefore I need to change the state of the country into, I need to vote for an, an, an alternative. And um, I think our voters have failed us in that sense in South Africa. We should not leave them out you, of this. That it doesn't. You know, sense. if you consider, if you consider politics as a game of sport, right? The job of a sports team, which is the political party, is to get its fans to the stadium. It is the job of the of that sports team to get its fans to the stadium, to get its fans to support it. Right, and when we consider who the voter is in South Africa, and who, and w w there, are, there are so many aspects to who the voter is and why they vote the way that they vote, and also considering the fact that as we look at the numbers today, we have got a declining voters' role. So even though people are still showing up, we've had what five elections, and the number and is steadily the the steadily declining, which means more and more people are opting out of the system. More and more people are just saying, this is not worth it for me yeah, to but show that, up. And again, that is the job. When are you going the, to take responsibility? The job, 
the job of the political party, the job of the political party, like the job of a soccer club, is to get its fans to the stadium. When we talk about when are we going to when when we're going to talk about the job of the voter, we also have to consider that we sit in a country of sixty million people where the median age of people in this country is twenty five, twenty five, twenty six years old. That person, twenty five, twenty six year old, that person needs to be educated but guys about their responsibility the, as a civic the as, best, as, as their civil duty the best news is that former president jacob zuma has not discounted the possibility of re-entering the political fray this is exciting is it not is this not the solution to all of our problems i mean objectively south africa was better under zuma <laughs> so maybe we need him back <laughs> what do you think gareth you say that's a new joke no you say i'm not that's joking. A new joke but I'm actually for a lot of people but actually for a lot of people you know you and i living in the city may complain about having intermittent power because we we've always had uh, power and now that the power grid is failing us it irritates us to no end. But if you are a person living out in Khalishiwe, for instance, and you come from a reality where you never had power, having power three times a week is a hell of a difference, mm. right? And that's the reality. That's the truth of this ma- of the matter is that this country has multiple realities. And those multiple realities for you and I sitting here in Joburg and sitting in Cape Town and sitting in Durban are not necessarily the same as 60, 70% of this country. I'm, I'm, I was not joking when I said things ran better. At least we knew what we were dealing with, with Jacob Zuma. And people get uncomfortable when you say this, but we knew we were dealing with someone who was greedy and who was corrupt and who had friends who would help to facilitate corruption. But at least they kept things running, more or less, okay, better than Cyril's government. And I mean, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed is king. So let's just look at how we are at the moment <laughs> and let's look at how we were five or six years ago. I mean, when the 2010 World Cup was on, who was our president? Jacob Zuma. And I know that's, you know, really Sepp Blatter was. But that was probably the, that was probably the highlight of post-1997 government was Sepp Blatter as president. Let's not forget that. Mm. Well, my view is that uh, I think people forget, uh, it's easy to forget, uh, under Jacob Zuma, South Africa's um, states really declined um even when you look at the gdp per capita on, G- on gdp capita, per capita terms yeah. uh we declined as a country got poorer right the the state capture cost about i think it was plus six billion dollars that was basically looted that money could have could have been used to achieve a lot of things uh we look at things like public debt as well unemployment rates it kind of skyrocketed really south africa made huge losses or the the um the, the the gains that we got in our democracy we saw uh, those we gains being them. reversed yeah. a lot under jacob zuma's administration now people say well there weren't as much you know lot sheddings under jacob zuma but really those guys were not maintaining the infrastructure no. at escom so there was a lot of mismanagement so they sort of postponed the matter to you know to is now happening at this point because really there was no not of any sort of um, right. um, no commitment to fix let the me, issues. So let's not forget, guys, that Jacob let, Zuma's administration was damaging. We always we always talk about the president, but let's talk about some people who are just on the next level down and who are still around, 
trying to make a living and still trying to con- convince us that they are part of the solution, not the problem. And we see Nkwasasana uh, Dlamini Zuma, who I believe is telling people that one of the reasons that she would be a great and visionary candidate for the future of South Africa is because she's been in so many portfolios. I mean, the fact that she hasn't necessarily run any of them particularly well is besides the point, but she seems to be convinced by the fact that she's jumped around so many times now that she knows a little bit about everything and she would be better than all the alternatives. And we've got Pravin Gordon, who's also moved around like a chess piece on a board. And both of those people are just two out of the many examples. And we know so many of the names in cabinet who've really just been shuffled and shuffled and shuffled. And we call it a cabinet reshuffle because it's the same deck of of cards. Nothing ever changes. Why is it that we are so short of good people, not only in the ANC, but generally, Pumi, you said it yourself just now, young people who want to enter the political fray. And even if you look at the youth league in the ANC, the average age is now well over 30, probably even 35. Um, Why is it? that so many of those apathetic voters are young people? And does it have anything to do with the fact that all the people that we are reshuffling in and out of government offices are old? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. They're just, there are too many old ideas and there are too many um, old realities at play. You know, people are unable to, to think of what South Africa needs to move to and become. Um, somebody in a conversation a couple of weeks ago, somebody said to me, and, and that's why this is such uh, an important time in our country right now, right? Is that there's a reason why the children of Israel wandered the desert for 40 years is because they had to die out all of the people that had to leave Egypt. That's why you, it takes a generation, yeah. right? All the old people that saw the world through the guise of being a slave under Pharaoh had to die off in order for them to be able to cross Jordan into a promised land. And South Africa is in that place. All of the old people who have an old view of what South Africa should be and could be, this is this is the end for all of them. I think yeah. Every one of those well, old people need to be thrown out. You're making me think of uh, what Muzi Kuzwayo said and that upset so many people about, you know, he's so rude about the elderly and our elders. But he said it before and he said those people have to die out before this country can really change. And my goodness, they're taking a long time. <laughs> And we're here. But it also, you know, one of the things is is there is a level of respect that people kind of imbue on older people, right? It's, it, it is also a matter of, and this is where I absolutely disagree with Pumlani, is this is why we need new parties and new blood. Because with all the will in the world, mm. the ANC, even if they had new young leaders moving into those positions, will never be able to change who it is in its DNA. It was a great car in its time, but the time it, it must be put out to pasture now.
right? Yes. And this is why we need fresh blood, fresh thinking, new young people with new ideas of how we can we can get our country back to the top that it can be. And that's why we need new parties. It's not going to be Bantu Olomisa thinking differently. It's mm-hmm. not going to be an IFP thinking differently or young people in the IFP. It is young people who have to step up to the challenge and young people who have who who have the interest of this country at heart, young people who have the knowledge, young people, and we have them, we have them in bucket loads, but they opt to leave the country because they would rather take the easy route instead of taking the hard route and knuckle down and be part of the solution. Do you want to add anything to that, uh, Pumlani? Because well, I, I do want to refer to something well, Pumi's just mentioned, but go ahead. Yeah, so, well, young people are going to leave the country if you have uh, 71 people murdered per day, which is a shocking murder rate, uh, even by global standards. They are going to leave if you have almost half of the workforce jobless, right? And 75% of the unemployed, it's young people. Mm -hmm. Um, With this maleducation, they are going to go and look for opportunities elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, If you can make more money overseas in other emerging markets than here, then they will go there. So again, we cannot, um, those decisions, um, people make them because of how um, the the current uh, people who are governing the country have, have mismanaged the economy and the country as well, and therefore they opt for those for those options, which is to one of them is to leave the country. Now, on the issue of very much um, uh, our very old governance that we have, older people, and I was I met a conference here in um, in um, um, in Sun City uh, this week, and I listened to I think there's a gentleman called Joel Joel um, Nichitenze. Nichitenze um, from yeah. Yes, he was. Uh, he has really served in serious positions in the ANC, and he, he gave a talk last night. You know, when I was listening to him, um, really, we, we need we need a different shift of mindset on how we talk about issues. Um, he's still stuck to this old way of looking at things in South Africa, especially very much on racial terms. Um, of how you know a reference to the. Um, to, uh, the past, you know, looking at the past instead of the future, uh, you know, proposing more of more government interventionist um, approach to the economy. I'm like, my view is that we need sort of more ideas that will be focused on the now and the future. And that need to be, at least in my view, very much pro-business, pro pro-driven by, um, you know, the, 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 the purpose to advance the powers of the market, to get more people employed and all that. So I'm, I'm saying that if we can have that, young people are disengaged. Now, two things are happening with young people. They are disengaged. But they are also, if they do engage, they are very much left voting more of left-wing kind of parties. Even in America as well, Bernie Sanders, uh, the far left or, or the left-wing guy, has a huge support over the years, right? Many of that support, the young people are supporting in South Africa. The youth also votes very much EFF when they do vote. EFF has very much a big chunk of the vote from the young people. So those things are happening. Um, and when it comes to education, uh, for me, I do agree that we need to educate people as to the importance of voting, right? But I think that's more done by from a government, sort of a government perspective that we create awareness of the importance of people engaging in their democracy. But even st- still though, 
those people, even though we do educate them, they will also need to take some responsibility to be engaged, to learn, and to make a difference in their country. Because we cannot sort of remove that responsibility as voters in a democracy from them. You know, things like murder rates, for me, and and high crime are... They are symptoms of a broken system, and they can be turned around. I think about mm. New York in the 90s, in the early 90s. People were getting shot in the streets. And look where New York is today. Mm. Those things can be turned around. But it takes a will from the people to want to make it. I mean, Joel Nechitenze is exactly one of the people. He is a brilliant mind, and at some point in time was one of the main thinkers and drivers of policy coming out of Lutuli House, Shell House and Lutuli House. But he's 65 years old. Of course, he only sees the, the world in a prism of black and white. And this is my point, is we actually have to think a little bit broader than black, white, left, right, all of those things no longer hold water. You know, even And this is possibly one of the reasons why young people... And in our office, we talk about this a lot because we're constantly thinking about what what it is that we need to do, even within our organization, to shift and move and make a difference, right, with our clients, with our country as a whole. <clears throat> and And maybe the things that resonate with young people are some of those things because the thing about looking at more than just oneself and thinking broader than just an individual are things that resonate with young people. But for as long as we look at it as it's a left-wing policy or a right-wing policy, maybe we need to look at all the policies and look at what it is that works for individuals and for the country as a whole today without being so dogmatic about where we stand on the number line. I mean, here's what what worries me is that we're losing the people we really need. I mean, here's a story that's not, this is not new. This is that comes up every year. Uh, this is from business tech. More skilled black professionals are leaving South Africa. If you look at the white population of South Africa, and this is to your point, um, Pumlani, if, if, if this tiny percentage, 8% of the population is still the biggest problem and they are in decline and they are getting smaller and smaller, then I think people people who are proffering this as a as a, a, a problem are, are not looking at the big picture. I mean, those four million odd white people who are still in South Africa and want to be here or have no option but to be here are going to have to make a go of it. And they are increasingly going to be less and less of a problem to the people who don't like them. So let's stop talking about that. It's not a big deal. <laughs> no, it's not a big deal. The, the race thing is a... Uh... It's a card that's being used by politicians to to manipulate us in politics. Um, the, even when you do the survey, <laughs> um, manipulators. Yeah, I mean, if you, even if if you do the surveys that have been done, uh, the race thing to people it doesn't appear right. at the top. Uh, it's something that either it's not there or right at the bottom. Uh, people talk about the issues of uh, you right. know unemployment, crime, and so on. So it is not. It's it's something that's being um, you know. It's it's politicians who beat the drum on this thing as if it's something that 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 matters to people. And by the way, the existence of white of the white population, it's a it's a positive in the country, right? Just like it's a positive for other racial groups as well. Um, um, and they are contributing. They are they are participating in the in the economy. 
they, they sell, they buy, they have businesses, and also they are largely a middle class, um, and that is the white population. All those things are positive and good, and we need more of that in the country. So to make them as these people who are sort of more of to be obsessed and see them as a negative, and that they are declining for me, as per the chart you've showed, is concerning. It's something that Ramaphosa must look into um, and, and think about how do we sort of encourage people to stay? What are, what are they doing wrong in governance? Uh, as Pumi was saying, the issues that I mentioned even in the murder rate, sure, it can be reversed, but the leaders have to reverse that, uh, you see. And for people who are who are participating in the market, if the leaders, they let them down, they can either choose to leave, All right. and they do have their choice, and one of them I, choose to do so. I want to quickly turn our attention, because we've only got five minutes or so left overseas. We've got to look at the no. UK and the meltdown in the UK's economy. But also, Pumi, someone here has asked for your thoughts on what's going on in Iran, which we actually haven't referred to at all in the burning platform, despite the last two weeks being absolutely groundbreaking and earth-shattering. In Iran, we see a huge revolution taking place, even though they're trying to play it down, uh, over one woman who was taken aside by the morality police and uh, and, and victimized over her, her hijab uh, falling down or something silly like that. Anyway, the, the women of Iran and a lot of the men of Iran are standing up to the government and saying, no more, we're sick of this. I mean, this used to be a, a country which was much more secular, that was much more about a society that has a very ancient history, which is... Uh, in some ways, the antithesis of what has been created under the Ayatollahs. Um, and maybe you want to comment on that and the UK, and, and both of you have a go. It's fascinating for me to watch what's happening in Iran. And as we talk about it here all the time, mm. is it's, it's always about the will of the people. The people decide when they have had enough and the people decide when they want change and the way that change needs to be. You know, we were just looking um, at the uh, the world population and where the populations are. The thing about the world is we cannot any longer look at the world only through our perspective to say what is right is what we believe is right. It is what is right for the people living in the environment. And when you see what is happening in Iran right now, is the people of Iran are going, we do not agree with this way of living and this way of being, and we're going to, we're not going to stand for it anymore. And that's why they're standing up to the government. But for as long as things were working for them, they were happy to go with what it was, what, <laughs> what is, you know, and this, this is the thing. And no matter how abhorrible it may be for the rest of us on the outside looking in. This is what we're seeing in Iran. What do you say, Pumlani? Anything about We've, Iran or do you want yeah. to look at the UK? Well, um, the, well, I do agree with Pumi that when people have said it's enough, um, people can say it's enough when they are ready to say it's enough. You know, when they want to say it's enough. So um, I'm quite, um, this is putting much pressure to the Iranian sort of um, um, political leadership. And it's, in, it, it, it is, it, 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 it's, it's very much motivating in a way that he has a country that is known for decades of being sort of um, very much um, hardly tolerates such, such things, you know, the, the protests and the movements, yet, and, 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 and the way they treat, uh, you know, women there as well. Are very much little freedoms uh, for women in the Middle East. Yet uh, we are seeing the women in Iran sort of taking it up, 
and 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 you know and making their case so i think that is very much encouraging it is something that we should we should upload um around the globe and hopefully african people will do the same in in countries where there is that kind of you know there is some repression that they will mobilize against against their governments now the uk i think Kwasi Korteng, the the finance minister. Look, he shouldn't. I I don't think he should pull back. There's much pressure. Um, he's being told that he needs to reverse the plan to avoid the 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 market kind of chaos. No, I don't think he should because I mean the the policies that he puts forward are policies that are very much well known. Um, for for a long while. Um, now it's a matter of the the investors. They need to and if he does believe in if he and his and his boss, um, they do the prime minister do believe that this is what the the, the policy will achieve. Um, then they must stick to that. They should not politically it should be bad if they do reverse, and it wouldn't be the good thing as well because the policies that they are proposing, the tax cuts, aren't a bad thing. You know, they do stimulate the economy, so they must persist on that. And the investors, they will, they will. Um, they will adjust and 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 we move on. Markets go up and down. It is what it is. Uh, Pums, what do you want to throw in on, on the UK? What, what do you say about the the the, the, the where well, is it a meltdown? Are we overplaying this just because again the UK has been the leading economy in Europe for the longest time? I mean, certainly outside of the EU for for a while as well. Um, <clears throat> financially, they're still the world's hub of banking and of lending and of financing. So what do we think's really going on here? What is this all about? By the way, the trends were already in the negative direction even before yeah. this this plan. So the pound, uh, it's weakening, and and all that. The, just the economy wasn't in any. So this is the way of stimulating the economy. Okay. Is the sun finally setting? <laughs> On the, the empire. empire is the sun finally setting well, on the empire. I, t- I told you what Look, I thought. I, think... I, I thought that the queen's death was not just symbolic. I do think it's the end of that. <laughs> really, it is, Karen. Mm-hmm. It is. You know, when when I saw the article and I was reading it this morning uh, with the IMF criticizing the UK's budget, mini budget, mm-hmm. I w- I was fascinated to see how things have turned. Right, we we're used to seeing the IMF criticizing uh, what is now called Global South and what they do with their monetary policies and sure. what they're doing with their tax cuts and and, but it's also just looking at it worldwide, right? So looking at what's happening with the Fed, mm-hmm. are we going to see similar movements happening across the pond, as the British would say? But this for, you know, and unfortunately, because we have an inept government would be great for us, right? Because this, this, this would mean that money is looking for a new home, a new place to invest, new places to go. And we are used to working in the high inflationary, um, environment right these inflation rises here in south africa that's the norm for us and so we we should ideally be able to work with what we have and be able to attract but we're not we're going to squander this opportunity as south africa i think we're going to squander this opportunity and we're not going to do what needs to be done because unfortunately we're busy with our own internal squabbles but what's happening in the UK is very fascinating for me to watch. It really is. And well, it's, just, uh, it's not just the UK, it's the whole world <clears throat> that we're watching. And maybe it's time that, the, you know, the shifting sands. And it's an opportunity for some people to make money. 
if they're watching in the right places. Sure, but let's not break the fence until we know why it was built. That's what uh, Chesterton always said, and it makes me nervous when we go, oh, well, whatever comes next will be better than what we've got, and then it isn't. Um, you know, we've seen governments make those terrible decisions. I've just got to refer here quickly to KNA, who's made a very uh, a few interesting points throughout the show. Uh, the UK <laughs> budget's a bit like a budget prepared by Des Van Royen. So I'll give KNA mm-hmm. the last say in today's show. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Have an awesome day, and we will be back next Thursday. Thank you so much, uh, Pumlani, for being part of the show, as you always uh, are available to be. And we would love to hear from you. You can send us an email, contact at cliffcentral.com. And if it's something for Pumi, you send it to me and I'll send it on to her as well. We will see you tomorrow at 6 a.m. Thanks, everybody. Have a great Thursday. Bye-bye.